The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Flash Black Radio is trying to approach health and well-being from a holistic point of view, so we're not just looking at it from the perspective of what you're consuming as far as your diet. We want to make sure that your finances are healthy. We want to make sure that your relationships are healthy. We want to make sure that you are healthy psychologically, physically, spiritually. If it affects the community, we need to talk about it. Finances, let's talk about it. Social issues of the day, let's talk about it. Relationships, let's talk about it. Career paths, how we can better ourselves, how we can better positions for our family, how we can make positions for our families. Let's talk about it. Let's stop beating around the bush and let's get in. Let's get active. Let's get involved. Your diet isn't just what you consume physically. It's what you consume mentally, the conversations you participate in, what you watch on TV, what you listen to on the radio. All of this is a part of your diet and all of this has an impact on your health and your well-being. Flash Black is a new perspective for a multicolored collective. You are now listening to Flash Black. You are now listening to Flash Black Radio. Hello beautiful people. This is www.flashblackradio.com. I am Da Vinci Parks, aka Lee Bennett the 3rd. And with me once again for Mind Your Money, we have Mr. Pete Baycoat of the Centaurus Group. Uh, Pete has been in the business for 21 years, giving people great advice, advice and guidance on how to manage their money in all different types of realms of the financial industry. He's a very well-composed, intellectual, articulate brother who just loves to talk about money and helping people with their financial situations. He has personally helped me on a number of occasions and many people that I know or love, and I hope that he can be of help and assistance to you. This is why I brought him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pete Baycoat of the Centaurs Group. What's up, Pete? Hey, how's it going? Thank you very much for that uh, that beautiful opening. I appreciate the introduction. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, good sir. I'm doing well, good sir. It is uh, the top of 2018, and we are looking forward to... Uh, uh, well, I'm not necessarily anticipating, but I'm saying we're looking forward as in ahead to tax season uh, starts in mid-February and it carries on to, we know when it carries on to, dreadful tax Forever. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what I wanted to do is I wanted to quickly just go through a couple of things that people might want to keep in mind if they're going to be doing their taxes, whether they're doing it through TurboTax or they're doing it through mm-hmm. somebody like yourself who's a tax professional and has more of a hands-on experience to help guide them through the process. So okay. I wanted to throw a couple things out there, and you tell me what your thoughts are. Okay. And we go from there. Let's go. Okay, I'm so um, I would say scenario number one, we have basically single guy, no kids, young, early to mid-20s. Uh, he's got basically, you know... No pets, no kids. You know, he's working one job, has another job on the side. What type mm-hmm. of tax situation, what type of things does he need to be thinking about? He's a renter. He doesn't have any, like, real property yet. He's he's on the come up. So what type of, is, is trouble tax okay for him? Does he really need to be thinking about tax guy? What are your thoughts? 
So here's what I tell a lot of our clients. Um, if you are in that situation, you're a single guy, no kids, apartment, one job. Oftentimes, if you don't have any investments, um, TurboTax and I will probably get a similar number. Um, because, again, you're not allowed. There's nothing I can do to get you out of the box. And, and the thing is, I, I'm glad you have this show because it, this should be a year-long process. You and I speak often about what should I be doing now. It's a year-long process. So for that guy, I would tell you for 2018, look at your 401k if your job offers a 401k. Put more money into your 401k and defer your income at a later date. Um, that's something you might want to look into. Or start a Roth IRA. But right now for that, for Sam Individual A, um, there's not a whole lot they have going on other than um, to get them to itemize. It's tough to get someone to itemize when they don't have, if they're not high income earners. So if that person at the same scenario made 150000 I would tell you something totally different because now we're going to itemize. So I'm going to tell you to donate to Goodwill at the end of the year. And I'm going to tell you to you know, keep all the stuff that your job doesn't reimburse you for. But if in my mind, the guy that you're describing is probably around $55,000 a year, no kids, one apartment. Um, yeah, I, I would even tell you, you know, go to TurboTax. The crazy part is we offer a review. So if somebody goes to TurboTax and says, Pete, I'm not sure about this. Can you look at it? We oftentimes will look at that for a minimal, minimal fee. It would take us like 25 minutes to review it just to know that you have everything in order because a third of the audits are due to errors. A third of IRS audits are due to people making errors. And for those who don't know it, TurboTax is not going to represent you at the audit. Um, they're just going to leave you on your own. So I thought you were allowed for, to pay for audit insurance or something of that effect. You can. They have that. It's, it's an option. It's 45 bucks or something like that. And and then they will hire a local firm. They will give money to a local firm to, to cover you up to four hours, I believe it is. Mm. And anything after, anything after four hours is an additional cost. And four hours basically means a letter and a phone call should clear it up. And if it doesn't, it's going to cost you more money anyway. Um, so with that being said, it's sometimes not a bad thing to pay somebody 25, 30 bucks a hey, and you get a minute, can you just review this file to make sure everything's in order? Not saying it's going to catch any, um, like, additional, a whole lot of additional deductions. But even if we do find additional deductions, I think we charge a minimal fee to fix it, that it may be worth your while to get that. Okay. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a gentleman who would purchase a home in June of that year, and he always did his taxes. He's like, I don't know why people just don't do it themselves. You save a lot of money. I said, well, how much do you, pay? you charge? How much do you pay? I pay like 30 bucks. I get the state involved. And I looked at it for him and I found, I, I want to say uh, $600 more for him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wow. I said, so for what I was going to charge you, you would have netted out $400 or $430 because the $30 that he paid for the software. Mm-hmm. I said, does that make it worth for you or not? And he kind of looked at me. Because and to me, that yes, I, if you if I told you I'm gonna get you four hundred thirty dollars more, wouldn't you wouldn't you do it? Yeah. So that to me is where it really comes in as far as um, again, no, not a whole lot going on. You don't have any kind of phase outs. Um, just really, you're within that bracket. You don't have a lot going on. There's not a whole lot I can do for you. You need more tax planning than tax preparation. Okay. You need to figure out how to keep more money in your pocket more than at the end of the year trying to trying to put a Band-Aid on the situation. So that's what I would say for, for that guy. Okay. Okay. Moving right along. Thank you for that. Um, 
let's 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 look at charitable deductions and contributions and things of that nature. So when we're thinking about charitable deductions and how they can benefit us come tax time, of course we want to give from our heart and give from a good place, but it doesn't Absolutely. hurt to be able to <laughs> like you know uh, to to be able to get a little back for, for your charitable contribution. So um, yeah, something like uh, Planet Aid or Goodwill, those are good places to go because those are uh, Salvation the, the, Army, Goodwill, churches. Thank you for um, mentioning that. Could you say that again? Salvation Army, churches, churches. Goodwill. Say that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Church. Okay. So the reason why I'm I'm, I'm stressing that is because I, I think there are a good amount of people who don't know that the the amount that they tithe, correct, can be, be correct. can be tax deductible. So while Absolutely. you're giving to the Lord as you should, you can still get a tax deduct deduct deduction for that. I'll have to edit you know, that. You know, another good one is homeless shelters, um, women abuse, you know, centers for better women. Um, they're great. But the only thing I will caution you is get a receipt. Um, get a receipt. Will a, will a, will a check, a uh, basically a clear check or cancel check work that, as well? That, 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 to be honest with you, that's the best receipt out. Uh, I'll give a quick, quick anecdote. I had a gentleman who gave $4,500 to a Hindu church, right? Gave cash. He got, a, he got a huge bonus. He gave cash. They've been, they helped him out through some tough times. The IRS, even though the Hindu church told him, they gave him a letter stating how much he gave, they denied the deduction because they wanted a proof. How do you prove that you gave somebody cash? Other than a receipt? <laughs> Which, the letters and receipt, that's crazy. Yeah, so we're, we're fighting that to this day, stating that you, how are you and the church third party stating that they did it? And you're telling them that's not good enough. Um, to me, that's not in good faith. But that's what I'm saying. So if you have a canceled check, for those of you who put just money in the cash in the bowl, use the envelope, write a check, get a money order, whatever you want to do. But have some kind of written verification that shows that, that you were able to do that. And I'm sure that, you know, the new, new technology, I'm sure you can make your ties online. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean yeah. yeah. Universities, if you go and get back to your old school, I mean, those are checks that most most colleges and universities are, are nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So um, you're able to do that. So that is definitely something that you want to look at. Um, I will tell you this for gear, clothes, um, non-cash items, take pictures of them. Uh, I've argued before, you know, a guy tried to tell me this 55-inch TV he gave away, let me work $200. I'm like... You go buy a fifty-five inch TV that's a year old for two hundred dollars. You you can't do it. Even at Walmart, they're four fifty, five hundred. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you take pictures so you can show the condition that you didn't give just some, a broken item and try to get the tax deduction. Um, and and make sure you're very clear in your itemization, the list of what you gave away. Those makes my job a lot easier when I have to go and argue in front of the IRS on why it should be taken at the value that I so selected. Okay, that's that's very good. Um, I I am the type of gentleman that will provide Excel sheets with multiple workbooks. <laughs> yes, you do. And I, love that. I love that about you. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't I don't want there to be any type of problems when it comes down to my taxes, man. I needs my money. I needs all my money. Uh, so, <laughs> I've had I've some. Yeah, all my money. That's right. So um. Uh, what else can what else can we look for in terms of preparation? So, like this is like you know, if you're talking about people who've made uh, purchases for their small business, you know, like how is there a line that needs to be drawn from personal account versus 
business like so a lot of people who might have small business or an LLC uh, might not have mm-hmm. a an official business account from which they write checks. So well, that's the first thing they need to do. Um, if you have a small business, get in, get a business account, separate your two because. There's a thing called co-mingling the funds, mm-hmm. um, which can get you in some trouble, which can be, make it really hard to deduct what's a deduction versus what's really personal. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will tell you as well, the IRS, they're crafty. They've been doing this a lot longer than, than most of us have been around here. So the one thing I've noticed on every audit is they go through deposits and just say, okay, how much money was deposited? That's your income. Now, anybody that's ever owned a small business knows that sometimes you are loaning your personal money to the business. Right. Especially in, this, in, in, in the first couple of years. I'm doing that myself, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, that's what happens. The business that's generating enough revenue, you're taking it from your outside source to help keep things afloat while you're growing. It's, it's natural. You need to make sure that that's identified how much, when, and when you're either going to do it as a capital or investment, and you'll get it back at the sale or you're doing it as a loan, which I tell people, put on the books as accounts payable. And when a company makes enough money to pay it back to you tax-free because you gave it to them, they didn't have to pay taxes on that. So make sure if you have a business, any cash into that business that did not come from a business earning it, whether it be a loan from mom, a loan from yourself, Uncle Joe, make sure you itemize and line item that so we don't count as income and the IRS doesn't count as income when they're pulling your – because let me tell you, as much as a great – you can have the greatest relationship with your bank in the world. When the IRS – I need some bank statements. I want to see how much money they made. The bank says, okay, where should I send that? <laughs> there, is, there is no holdback. So – there will be no description of, I think that he borrowed money from his Uncle Joe. It'll just be simply, they'll run the tapes and all the deposits to the IRS. You have to tell them why it's not income and be able to show proof. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, so those, those are just a couple of things. Um, what are some key things that people don't necessarily think to have on hand for tax time that you can tell in maybe like a minute or two, our listeners, some things to keep in mind because it's tax time. You're trying to gather receipts and, and what mm-hmm. you pay for this and, I, I, you know, W2s. I will save you some time though. If For most people bring me uh, medical receipts and to be honest, it's like supposed to be right now it's uh, going back down to seven and a half percent or 10% of your Adjusted gross income. So after your basic income and any additions and income, a few subtractions, if you don't have more than 10% of medical expenses, so if, if you made $100,000 and if you don't have more than $10,000 of out-of-pocket medical expenses, don't even waste your time. If you have $3,000, you are wasting your time. I can never use it. So spend your time on doing something different. Spend your time on uh, focusing on what did I pay for for work and my employer didn't reimburse me. Well, even if it's a professional membership. So if you're an engineer and you join an engineering membership uh, off of work, that is tax deductible. So those are the things a lot of people don't think about um, as far as that's concerned. And again, credit card, debit card, those are great receipts. Um, prove that, hey, I did pay for it out of my account. So those are the things that I tell people all the time you might want to do. Also, um, for those people who co-sign loans and help pay for, so say you live together with someone. Uh, you're not married, so you have to file on two separate tax returns, but you have a house together. You can both claim half of the interest. It doesn't have to be 100% on one person. You don't have to, oh, this is my year to claim the interest on the house. You can actually split it down the middle as long, even if it's not in the second person's name. Mm-hmm. You just have to list the name, social security number of who you're sharing this mortgage with. So um, one topic that I wanted to touch on really quickly was the statuses, right? Which okay. are filing status. Right. 
so people think it's just, you know, married or single. Uh, they don't understand head of household and they don't understand the rules for married and single. Single, it is exactly that. That means you are by yourself, right? There's no one else but you on that tax return. Or if you're, if say you live in the house of mom and dad, but your children live with you and your parents are the head of household, you cannot have two head of households at the same address. So even though you're the head of your children, and you, but you're living at mom and dad's house, there can only be one head of household per physical address. Okay. So another thing, head of household, if, Lee, you have a child, another relationship, and, and you're single, and you pay support, and you take care of the child, and you spend time with the child, a fair amount of child, you can be head of household without having to claim that child. And the reason we do this is because you want to be in a lower tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Right? So they did some of the things about single and head of household people don't understand. For married filing jointly. When you're married, and for those who don't understand what that means, if you got married on on New Year's Eve, before they said Happy New Year, you had to choose between married filing jointly or married filing single. Right? That those are your um, married filing jointly or, or married filing separately. Those are your two options, mm-hmm. unless you've been separated for more than six months. So for that couple, that that, that um, example won't apply. But say you and your wife broke up in February and you guys lived in separate residences throughout the end of the year, you can then go to either head of household or single. However, people make a big mistake because what they find out is when you combine income, sometimes you can, it's called the marriage penalty, right? Sometimes you're like, well, wait a minute, that puts us in a, a different bracket when we're together. So I want to file single. Or I want to file head of household and she files single. Head of household lets you get an earned income credit. Married filing separately does not. Single lets you get a higher um, earned income credit and different deductions. For instance, there is no um, child child care when you're married filing separately. So a lot of people choose not to use that. That that is one of the most penalizing filing statuses there are. So I just kind of want to touch on that because people often want to, of course, do what's in their best interest. But then later on, when they come back and the IRS is like, "Hey, by the way, you owe me thirty five hundred dollars." Where did that come from? They're, and they're wondering why what happened. So. You know, not to get off topic, but to me, that's one of the things that people can take advantage or hurt themselves that they don't select the situation that, that best fits what they have going on in their household. All right. That was bonus footage right there, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, that, <laughs> that was Mr. Pete Bako breaking it down for you. So just a couple of things. I mean, there are plenty of things that we discuss. If you have questions that you would like to ask regarding some stuff that Pete and I have discussed or... Uh, perhaps there's something that was triggered based upon what you heard or you thought that maybe there was something that could have been added and was not in this particular podcast because we try to keep these brief. Uh, Feel free to drop a line on uh, the Flash Black Facebook page or the Flash Black Facebook group. You can tweet at Flash Black Radio. Uh, You can check us out on IG, uh, Flash Black Radio. But of course, I would actually rather you contact Mr. Pete Baycoat because Pete is the the professional tax guy. I'm just a guy who wants your money to be right. <laughs> so, Pete, could you tell them very quickly how they can contact you? Absolutely. You can reach me in my email at taxes at Centaurus Group. That's S-E-N-T-A-R-U-S group.com. You can reach us at the office at 
856-528-4760. We're also on Facebook, Centaurus Group. We're also on Twitter, at Centaurus Group, and we're on LinkedIn as well. You can reach us in a myriad of different ways. So we look forward to hearing from you. And that's nationwide, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Coach, coach. Indeed, indeed. So, once again, this is Mr. Pete Baycoat of the Centaurus Group. I am DaVinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III, reporting for www.flashblackradio.com. You know how to catch up with us. If you want to listen to our podcast, you can check us through the, the website. You can check us through Facebook, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. you got a number of ways to catch up with us. And please do share this information, comment on this information. Let's keep the discussion going. We want to always make sure the discussion is healthy and moving forward. And ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Pete Baycoat. Thank you for listening. Uh, excuse me. Thank you for tuning in, good sir. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to people. So um, enjoy your evening. Indeed, indeed. You take care. I'll holler at you later, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our podcast for today. Again, thank you for listening. Stay blessed. Stay woke. Peace.